to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Last time, I talked about Jesus' amazing friendships with sinners, his eating and drinking with those a long way from God. Under God, my own conversion was the result of one person's willingness to embody this mission of being a friend to sinners, just like Jesus. I think I've mentioned before that my introduction to faith came not through family tradition, Sunday school or church attendance. It came through the irresistible power of friendship and good food. One of the relics of Australia's Christian heritage is the once-a-week scripture lesson offered in many state high schools around the country, especially here in New South Wales. Usually, the person running the lesson was an elderly volunteer from the local church. I took my chances with these harmless old ladies because non-scripture involved doing homework under the supervision of a real teacher. One of these scripture teachers had the courage one day to invite the entire class to her home for discussions about God. Now, the invitation would have gone unnoticed, except that she added, If anyone gets hungry, I'll be making hamburgers, milkshakes and scones. Well, one Friday afternoon, several weeks later, I was sitting on a comfy lounge in this woman's home with half a dozen classmates feasting on hamburgers and bracing myself for the God bit. I'd never been to church or even had a religious conversation of length. So this was an entirely new experience. I remember thinking at the time that there was nowhere to run. I'd eaten so much of her food that I couldn't have got up out of the couch even if I wanted to. As I looked around the room at my mates, all sceptics like me, I was amazed that this woman would open her home and kitchen to us. Some of the lads there that day were the worst sinners in our school. One was a drug user and seller. One was a class clown and bully. And one was a petty thief with a string of break and enters to his credit. But we returned the next Friday with more mates and the next and the next. In fact, we turned up at this woman's doorstep most Friday afternoons for months. I couldn't figure her out. She was wealthy and intelligent. She had an exciting social life, married to a leading Australian businessman. What was she thinking, inviting us for a meal and discussion in her home? At no point was this teacher pushy or preachy. Her style was completely relaxed and incredibly generous. When her VCR went missing one day, she made almost nothing of it the next Friday, even though she suspected, reasonably enough, it was one of us that had taken it. For me, her open, flexible, generous attitude toward us sinners was the doorway into a life of faith. As we ate and drank and talked, it was clear this was no mere missionary ploy on her part. She truly cared for us. She treated us like friends, or perhaps more accurately, like sons. As a result, over the course of the next year, she introduced several of us from that one class to the ultimate friend of sinners, Jesus. Three of those lads are now in full-time Christian ministry. Now, I don't want to jump too quickly from Jesus' mission to ours. Instead, I want to explore briefly how the original friend of sinners, Jesus, influenced the mission of the Apostle Paul, the one who would later say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul, the one-time Pharisee, became famous in Jewish and Christian circles for his scandalously flexible social conduct, just like Jesus. Not only did he preach to pagans, he broke with his customs as a Pharisee and ate with them as well. 
For a first century Jewish rabbi, this was almost unthinkable. Even some of the earliest Christians found Paul's behavior problematic. You can see that for yourself in Galatians chapter 2. But Paul could only reply that his flexibility, like that of Jesus, was oriented toward the salvation of others. The point is well made in a passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 19. He says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This text is fascinating for a couple of reasons. Firstly, the echo of Jesus' own practice of associating with sinners for their salvation is very strong in this passage. Just as Jesus ate meals with sinners in order to invite them into God's family, so Paul got alongside Jews and Gentiles in order to do the same thing, to save them. Paul's approach here is not a mere missionary ploy. It's not an attempt to get people on side before thumping them with the gospel. Eating with sinners was for Paul exactly what it had been for Jesus. It was an embodiment of the salvation message itself. How could I preach the gospel, thought Paul, about the welcoming grace of Christ without embodying that grace in the way I mix with Jews and Gentiles alike? The passage is interesting for another reason. When Paul later says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, he is clearly thinking of his example of flexibility in order to save people. Let me read that passage. It comes from the very next chapter in 1 Corinthians. So I'm reading from chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The words, so whether you eat or drink, remind us that this paragraph is actually the conclusion to a discussion that commenced back in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, which begins, Now about food sacrificed to idols. For three whole chapters, Paul has been discussing one of the thorniest issues to face the first century Christians. Am I allowed to attend pagan banquets, where I will almost certainly end up eating meat that is offered to idols. In the ancient Greek world, virtually all of the meat sold in marketplaces had been dedicated to a pagan deity. The animals were first slaughtered, prayed over by the priests, and symbolically presented to a god in the temple. It was then taken to the market and sold. From the Greek point of view, this made the food blessed. But from the Jewish and Christian point of view, it made it tainted, cursed, even demon meat. So, what do you do 
when a non-Christian, non-Jewish business associate or relative invites you for a banquet in the home or in the local restaurant, of which there were many in Corinth. There was no BYO meat in the ancient world. Do you accept the invitation and possibly taint yourself? Or do you decline the invitation and keep yourself pure? This was a major question, and you can understand why Paul would devote three whole chapters to answering it. Although the contexts are different, the problem felt by the Corinthian Christians was similar to that raised by the Pharisees against Jesus when they asked, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The issue here is purity in your social life. Can you eat with sinners or dine at pagan banquets and still honour God? Without expounding the whole of 1 Corinthians 8-10, to let me just say that Paul neither instructs the Corinthians to share tainted meals with pagans, nor orders them not to. His point is that a Christian social conduct should be flexible. What's important, says Paul, is not whether you eat or drink, but whether you are seeking the good of others, just as Paul does, just as Jesus did. That's what 1 Corinthians 10.31-11.1 to is all about. Paul insists that our social lives are to be governed not by purity rules, but by a few simple but profound goals. Firstly, we should live with a desire to bring glory to the one true Lord. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This reminds us of the great mission equation I talked about earlier in this reflection series. If the worshippers of the one true God are to promote his glory throughout the world, it makes sense that our social lives, our eating and drinking, should be aligned to this reality as well. If God is glorified by your going to banquets, says Paul, then go. If God will be glorified by your avoiding such banquets, then avoid them. Live for God's honour. That's the important thing. The second goal unpacks what it means to shape our social life around the glory of God. Paul states the second goal in verses 32 and 33 of the same passage. He says, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. This verse isn't just about upsetting people. It's about acting in a way that might put their salvation at risk. In the context of 1 Corinthians 8-10, Paul means that the Corinthians' dining habits must not threaten anyone's experience of salvation, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God. To give some concrete ancient examples, Christians must not dine in pagan restaurants in such a way that might lead weaker believers back into idol worship. Along a similar line, believers should not flaunt their dining freedoms in a way that might give Jews a reason to reject Christianity as an unclean religion. On the other hand, attending pagan banquets should not be ruled out lest the Greek majority in Corinth begin to think that Christians are rude, exclusivist, or uncitizenly. It's worth pondering in our modern context whether, humanly speaking, our actions could hinder our neighbour's experience of God's salvation. Because according to Paul, the important things are these. Are you living for the glory of God? And are you making sure you're not causing anyone to stumble? Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.